0: daily
1: Game face i'm dr kimberly Lynn and here with, with that's right <laughs> i say it like that
0: guess what today is
1: uh, uh january 26th. what's today
0: well it is but this is the day of my 100th
1: oh that's right Show. see you
0: know just so lackluster no flowers <laughs> no cake no love but this is our 100th show mine Cause it's
1: congratulations.
0: You know, mine. Thank you. It's
1: a big milestone.
0: I did tell you this last week. I know you were supposed to tell me this and then you wrote and texted the wrong word. And you're like, it's not a big deal. And then you're like, Oh, I meant to say it is.
1: And like, what oh. did I, yeah. What did I say? Remember <laughs> yeah. that text? I texted you the wrong like, word. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Whatever. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, hundredth episode today. Yep. Very exciting. Milestone is weird.
1: Well, I noticed when I put our podcast up and by the way, the show's available on podcasts and all the major outlets. So Thank you. go get it. I Thank noticed you. that that was last week's was episode 99. So I knew 100 was coming.
0: Well, right. But you were going to tell me that. You know who had to tell me that? My nephew. (laughs) My nephew was like, did you know that it's your 100th podcast next week? And I'm like, I'm going to text Lou that right now.
1: Why, Why did I have to tell you this?
0: Because it's exciting. Yes. Usually, like, if you're doing a television show, there's a big cake. I didn't get a big cake. And it's my birthday tomorrow.
1: Oh, that's right. Happy birthday.
0: And again. See? Oh, yeah. See? It's all these O things. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Afterthoughts. i got stuff going on.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not on your radar. So, anyways, it's exciting. So, not only is it my birthday this week, it's the 100th show of mine. Yay! So, it's <laughs> exciting. And it's been very successful, as you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> If no one's watching and you're only listening, Lou's face is just like, yep, it's okay. It's like the apathy.
1: No, I have no apathy.
0: You, But you have empathy. The
1: least apathetic person you know.
0: You are not apathetic.
1: I'm not apathetic.
0: I have a little apathy to it. It was like, oh, whatever. It's your birthday and it's not whatever. (laughs) I'm very excited. So it's been very successful and I'm very happy and we're getting more and more people to listen and it's getting pushed all over and people all over the world are listening and it's wonderful. And anyway, so for people who've never listened, it's about health and wellness and having your best healthy lifestyle. And it's a variety of topics. And today we're going to start a little off topic on because this morning I had an interview with the Boston Globe. Yes. You- so, and, and it's a, in this lovely woman who's, I'm not going to use her name because I don't know if she would want me to, but she's a writer-editor for the sports in. So that will give it away if people know. Okay. Um, but I've interviewed with her before um, around uh, Super Bowl time and Patriots and fans and so on and so forth. So she often reaches out, um, often a couple times, uh, to ask me questions from a sports psychology perspective. And so this morning we had an interview because she was asking me so it's so funny. So I got an email from her. She asked me a couple of questions. So I had it all prepped in my head and everything. Of course, you know how it is. It's like people are on a timeline and you can hear her tapping away on her computer and I'm yep. doing my thing. And and I feel like I just like didn't hit the mark at all. Like she was like, no, we already just just that. And I'm like, but I'm just answering your questions. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the bottom line was, there were a couple of things that came out of it because I was like, oh, this is an interesting topic to me that I haven't thought about in a while. So it wasn't what she was asking, but I still answered it, even though she wasn't asking. Yep. But and you'll find this valuable because we like to talk sports is that the basic thing of like, why do Patriots fans mm-hmm. have such a hard time, like with Patrick Mahomes and Brady being used in the same sentence? That's yes. Yep. one, which I started to answer and then I wasn't giving the right answer. But, and then, which I still want to talk about. And then the other thing is, is why is it so hard to root for another team? Like we're out, the bucks are out, um, you know? So, um, but that was the wrong road to go down as well. So yeah. I gave her all those answers, but that's, what's, that's not what she was asking me for this morning. Um, but those are interesting topics to me because I gave full answers to that. So I thought at least the psychology of, the fact that we're coming into we're in the playoffs season. Not we're not in the playoffs because we're out. Um right. shocking. Um, but we're into the playoffs. We're getting ready to do the Super Bowl. And it's big topic for so many people. And as New Englanders, we, we don't have we don't have the Buccaneers up here now because Tom Brady's out, which we were following, because if you're a Patriots fan, you're sort of dual split and with Rob and everybody yeah, or but you
1: not you always that. rooting for. What? But following, but not always rooting for. Well, right. I was so, rooting well, against the Buccaneers. Split, right, because yeah, there's yeah. this thing, which yeah.
0: is a psychological phenomenon in and of itself. And then here we are with the Patriots, and we're out.
1: There's something out. about there's something unique about New Englanders. I think the, the, the famous question for years was, "Would you rather see the Red Sox win or the Yankees lose?" And a lot of New Englanders would say, "I'd rather see the Yankees lose, right, and the Red Sox win." There, there's something about New Englanders that we like rooting against people more than for people, it seems. right?
0: Yeah. So and and we do. And why is
1: that? Uh, uh, Because we don't want that competition that you talked about. I root against the Chiefs because I don't want to have the Mahomes Brady conversation because I think it's premature for one thing. I loved watching Aaron Rodgers get beat because they always talk about him being the goat. And it's like, can we just put that to bed right now?
0: And so, so yes, so so for your perspective, yes. And so my thing with the Mahomes and Brady thing being used in the same sentence is, I call I, it's like the it's the new baby coming home. Is it the shiny object uh, is no longer yeah. the shiny object, Interesting. and now it's competing for space. And so eventually, we're going to like the new shiny object, but we have to. We have to give it time. We have to, it has to grow on us. And so it's, you know, now we're not an only child. Now we have a brother. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's how, that's how I look at it psychologically of like all the fans that talk about it. It's what you just said, but I boil it down to the, you know, the only child syndrome now has a, has a Sib.
1: That's valid. And it's really interesting because I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes. I don't even dislike the Chiefs, but, but the Chiefs fans drive me nuts. And, you know, this whole (laughs) dynasty talk.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. and and the thing is, is that it's reversed too, because the Patriots. Look how many people hate the Patriots. Oh, sure, yeah, and Belichick and Tom Brady, and and it's and it's it's why? Why is that? Well, it's the same thing as like why do we root against other teams from our side? Is that we constantly are filling up our cup to make ourselves feel better, <laughs> because we have to we have to put someone else down to make ourselves feel better, especially in light of the fact that you know if if we've had a loss like the most famous player in the world, famous quarterback, everything, you know, changed the whole game, essentially did a 17, 20 year run of like amazing era of dynasty for the Patriots leaves us. Now we're in loss and mourning. Now we're jealous because we've lost the relationship and (laughs) there's so many psychological pieces to this. And not only that, but now we've got to deal with the fact that our Patriots team, as we've known it is now, coming to the end as well which means our identity of being fans is coming to an end yeah. in some way because it has to renegotiate itself and we don't like change
1: a deficit we've had a death of self yes as football fans yes yeah
0: and so it's it's and and then so why do we root against other teams because we keep our cup full we emotionally yeah. are constantly filling up our cup with you know It's like bullying. You bully someone because it makes us feel good about ourselves if we can put someone else down. Essentially that's what happens. Yeah, some
1: team gets hot and we'll just look at the fans and we'll go, Well, tell you know, talk to me when you want your fit super bowl.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So so I just find it very interesting because they so all those topics were in my head today. By the way, I wasn't answering the right one. So But th- those are the ones I came up with in her what question.
1: Was, what was the topic? What was the question? <laughs> I'm
0: well, I'm not curious. really sure because yeah. I was very I, – I feel – I'm yeah. going to take the hit on this one. I feel that I was just unclear on what was – because all those pieces were in there, yeah. and I hit on all of them, but I don't think that was really the right question answered. Yeah. So what I think it was <laughs> was um, why do we uh, – See, I don't even know how to put it into words because I feel like it was all those things. But why do we root against other teams? Yeah. And how, what does it do for us? Uh, you know, why is it such a problem? And and then one one direct question was, why are using Mahomes and Brady in the same sentence they shouldn't yeah. even be? What is the problem with that? So
1: are, there are all kinds of problems. With well,
0: that. yes. Yeah. And that's, well, that's why I did the, the individual. It's the single child now has a brother.
1: Well, Yes. But at this point, it diminishes what Tom did.
0: Right. But it doesn't really. Yes. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yes, see? it does. Why? Think about it. I,
0: I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Because if you I do take a lie, couple. Let's hear
1: it. If you take a couple seconds to contemplate what Brady has accomplished. Yes. And, you know, we'll put Bill aside because yeah. I'm a Bill disciple. So we'll put that aside. But we're just in the context of Mahomes versus Brady. Uh, Mahomes has had a great start to his career. But it's really like literally talk to me when you've won your fifth Super Bowl. We Tom did it in such a way and we've lived with it for 20 years now. We don't have context on what an accomplishment that was. This is Ruth hitting more home runs than other teams. Right. This is this is a historical. No one will ever win seven Super Bowls again. There is not a quarterback who will win seven Super Bowls. It won't happen.
0: Well, we don't know that. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Well we (laughs) hello.
1: It won't happen.
0: Well, okay. I don't do never's and always. Yep. So there may be, but see, it's a threat to you, right? It's a threat. It's what that statement's. It diminishes Tom's legacy. The yeah. legacy of Tom Brady yeah. is being threatened by this newbie. Yep. This new shiny object is taking over your space in your head to be like it will never happen. Well, the likelihood statistically, probably not. But the fact is, is there's the threat. And and he's not a bad threat. He's he's a great player. No. He's you know, if you look at right, but if you're if you're a fan of Kansas City, yay, if you're a fan of Patriots, no, you know, because you're gonna you have to stay in your camp. Yep. So you have even though like so I'm looking at him going, Well, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Right? Yes,
1: he is. But terrific if player. you have
0: to if you have to be in your camp, then no, he's not because <laughs> he's a threat to all that we know about the goat, and that threatens our we don't like change. Yeah, it comes down to we do not like change.
1: Yeah, but when not- it threatens the-
0: our je- we're jealous of the relationship going away of our team, our Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Rob. And now Patrick comes in and now we've got and then in the and now let's talk about the Rams for a second. Did you, fo- you follow the Rams sure. a little bit? Yep. So the Rams, you know, you've got all these and they have the same issue on that side. The Rams have all this stuff going on, which is they've got all-star players which is big criticism about them anyways because how it's not fair but it's
1: well that was it's all
0: fair when they're playing great
1: well that was the bucks and then last when they don't year play
0: great, it's like because you have all-star like it's it's got this whole thing wrapped up in that's it, the so. bucks
1: it's the same thing yeah the, the bucks who are super team right and the rams have you know the rams are loaded from a talent and certainly they bought right, bought they a talented team for but yeah. also
0: blessed for yeah because you know it depends on which side of the day that they're falling down on, and or they're rising up.
1: We went through this with Manning. We went through this with Rogers. Yep. You know, He had great starts with terrific quarterbacks. You know, no doubt about that. Manning was a terrific quarterback. He yep. wasn't Tom Brady. Won two Super Bowls, and by the way, you know, one of which was a gift, but we won't get into that. But
0: <laughs> he beat nother... the he See, beat the Bears. Article it could be written for the Boston yeah. Globe on that whole piece right there. The psychological phenomenon. He of, beat like, the I Bears don't think after thinking about that being a gift.
1: He beat the Bears, which were a miserable team, after beating the Patriots on a game where they were—they could have literally pulled people out of the stands to play defense because defense was in such bad shape.
0: You should have been there on my on my interview yeah. this morning.
1: <laughs> no, it's just too early. I lo- Patrick Mahomes is a great player. He's fun to watch, and he the is. Chiefs are a good team. I don't dislike the Chiefs, but you know, talk to me in ten years.
0: Well, yeah, well, but that's so that's my point to the saying like Tom Brady being as the example being the one, you know, yep. cause it's synonymous. And I was trying to say this to her this morning is that Tom Brady is the team. When you speak about the Patriots and Tom Brady, they are one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. is that it, right. Cause that's sure. how people relate to it. So he is the only child and now you have Mahomes coming up. And like you just said, 10 years, get, talk to me in 10 years, but he's the, he's the threat because he's the one that could unseat in right now he's out there. I mean, Mac Jones, nice to look at but it <laughs> <so laughs> yeah. is patrick right but a little from young girl, girl, girl yeah. perspective yeah so but he's the one to potentially out there he's the one that has the ability right now that is the the threat generator yes. to the image of the goat even though he's got many years to go and hopefully he has a great career and all those things but we have to give him that opportunity and so putting them in the same putting them in the same sentence drives people crazy i think because like you just got threatened by it's it's because you're comparing something that has a 20 year history and historical reference to it with that's a great amazing over the top to someone who's brand new yeah so the new shiny object baby is threatening the image of the older child
1: and the accomplishment for tom and the patriots wasn't any individual super bowl or any individual three or four year run it was 20 years of excellence in which they won seven super bowls went to what 11 conference championships
0: yes Yes. and they changed the face of the NFL in a lot of ways by the way that they turned everything into coming out not individually coming out as a team. Yeah, they changed a lot of the face of actual the image of football. Yeah,
1: yeah. and it's and, just like that's a big part of it. So you can't accomplish that with one Super Bowl in four years. You can't. It's, it's right. You can't equate the two. Right. And I don't I, I give all the praise to Patrick Mahomes. A terrific player, but when you get to the point where you're putting him on the same shelf with Tom Brady, it's no not yet
0: well right and if the
1: time comes i'll be happy to acknowledge it
0: right and but i think i think so yes that's all rational realistic and reasonable to say that (laughs) like that Yep. it's being your your healthy self but but it's also the thought that you have you know it's like when we talk about projecting forward about you know information about what you know now versus what could be down the line and how is that going to fall out we know that he he has the potential to be amazing Yes. in that same realm. And that's why he gets lumped in with Tom Brady and people get very threatened by that because it's offensive because how dare anyone compare that to that?
1: Mm-hmm. Really? Yep.
0: Right. And so right. it's, and so, and that's why people get so heated about it.
1: And I, but know. that's the fun of sports, right? I know.
0: Well, because it, it, because it drives us, we love the, it's what surges is on, you know, and I and I and I wrote this in a response to her this morning when I finally clarified in my head what I think <laughs> I was being asked, um, you know, that we we are constantly waxing and waning up and down all season, and that's what drives our, you know, we're either rooting for or rooting against, and that gives us the 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 power to go through that whole, you know, September to February yep. piece is to is because we're. <gasps> down up down up. and it's exciting and it's wonderful and i love you i hate you and i love you and i hate you and you're terrible and monday morning quarterbacking is, yeah. you know it's wonderful
1: but it's it's interesting life lesson isn't it because you sit there and you go into sunday we went into the playoff sunday against the bills and the, yes. the bills just you know yeah exactly Did you see
0: my face I was like, Whoa. yeah
1: horrible performance very painful for a lot of us because we were sucked into a lot of hope during a seven-game winning streak. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were dealing with a lot of different emotions. But the thing is about it, you get up on Monday morning, you're okay. Right. You know, you look at the family, you go to work, you you know, you have breakfast and we're okay.
0: But I, so, yes. But, however, I know fans Mm -hmm. who don't, that don't have the okay feeling the next day. They fall apart. It ruins their next day. It ruins a week. You know, I have some clients that are incredibly, (laughs) affected sure by it and it it can you know ruin their whole moments i so my so my friend that passed away last summer if the patriots were losing or we lost you know the super bowl at one point i think crying yeah like
1: full-on tears but that's a basic mental health issue of locating your happiness outside of yourself
0: but that's what people use sports for, Yeah, is to externalize and bring the joy into them. And so when they have connected in so heavily, like the Patriots really pull their fans to connect in like family. Sure. And when we connect in, you know, even when I talk about the Patriots, like I don't talk about any of the other teams, including all the other ones I work with or guys that I still relate in the same way I get caught up in, even though I do this for a living, I get caught up in that we are one. Mm-hmm. Like, right, the Patriot, right. we are the pa- like, I'm on the I'm on the ground playing <laughs> yeah. and it, because we get caught up in that psychological phenomenon. That, so we get very protective.
1: And well, that being part of the team is what we're talking about in right. terms of responding when someone puts Patrick Mahomes on the same shelf with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, whatever it is. We protect the Patriots within the social media world within, right. you know, right. that's that's being part of the team. Right. But the Patriots should make you happier than you are or make you a little sad for a while, but they shouldn't be the source of your
0: Let's see but Happiness that's, well, that's or where a lot of people, depression but that's where a lot of people get their sources, yeah. whether it's the Patriots or the Red Sox or the Bruins or you know the Boston teams and and yeah. I don't find this any I, of course I live here so it's much more in my face but I don't find that anywhere else in the country in the same way around fans are fans I mean I have a friend that listens to the show often that's a Raiders fan and she goes to she travels all over the country to see that, that's how
1: oh nice she's
0: yeah. I think she doesn't miss a game um but she loves the Raiders and she's very much about that. And she probably is, it would be the same kind of thing I'm talking about with Patriots fans. Cause she's so there and so present and so upset. And she, you know, if something happens, we know about it on Facebook because she's so cute. She'll post like, but well, is that her was mental... I have no idea what happened, but it was,
1: <laughs> is her mental health meter attached to the oh,
0: I think outcome of the Raiders. I think it just makes, so th- the thing about the team sport, like we're talking about is there's a sense of community and connection and camaraderie. That you don't get anywhere else. So it's, it's not just the game with the team. I think it's just the overall experience of having the ability like we're doing right now talking about it and yeah. sharing our, our insights and our thoughts and our dislikes and what we think about a player what we think about, you know, I mean, I could do a whole show on, on, on Antonio Brown and his mental health Oh God, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> which we want would
1: be do.
0: fun. <laughs> I mean, he was very entertaining when he ran across the field a few weeks ago with all his clothes off. I mean,
1: but that's the, not the, for nothing. the Patriots are unique in that for many of us, if you're of a certain age, I mean, right. if you're of a certain age, all you know is Brady and the Patriots and you know, you have had a different experience, but I was a season ticket holder for a number of years. I was one of those guys who shoveled out the stadium to get free tickets, you know, back yeah. in the seventies and eighties and back when it had the went through two win seasons and went through Tony Eason and, you know, God, I saw the Patriots play in Harvard Stadium against the Giants in an exhibition game.
0: Yep, is that crazy? But
1: you've suffered with the Patriots, and then you get that time—you you get the reward. Well, and with Birdie and so, and,
0: and I think that that's—I think probably most play most people could say that about their teams if like they grew up with them. I mean, I remember when Gillette Stadium wasn't Gillette Stadium, and I would sit on the on the field essentially on a steel bench with a heated. Something or rather under my tush back in the eight, you know, in the eighties.
1: Uh, Foxborough <laughs> you know? Stadium. What? Foxborough Stadium. Schaefer that was, Stadium. I
0: don't
1: The was parking Foxborough garage.
0: Foxborough Schaefer.
1: It was both. Okay. Which it was it, it was, was Schaefer both? originally. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
0: That dates me. It
1: had Super Flush. And Is that crazy? You remember Super Flush? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: But that was basically a parking garage with seats. Yeah. And all of us went and froze our.
0: Checkers is off. Yeah,
1: got yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Oh, that and so that's. So I think I remember growing in knee driving. deep in
1: snow after the game, waiting for the traffic to clear so you could get home.
0: And it's very different now. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Waiting for four hours to get out of the park. I know now. it's
1: amazing. That's the but best
0: thing they ever did down there. Was a like, lot
1: of us. A lot of Patriots fans went through that, yeah. and that's helped solidify this this um, success too. Yes. And what makes us protective of it because we earned it. Right. You See, know, we, and we yeah. so
0: we're not out playing, but we we earned it. Because yeah. we paid our dues as, as fans.
1: I mean, I watched a playoff game against the Saints. It was six degrees and raining. I mean <laughs> I mean, we just in that place, in that horrid place, you know, the old Schaefer Stadium.
0: And 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 to the fandom and the and the experience of being connected in. I mean, I was in Barbados when Vinatieri and Oh yeah. Right. And we had to go. I mean, we were so in entrenched in doing that. We had to go to some remote bar that had some dish hanging off the side of it to find the game because we were so much, it was like yep. we're in Barbados and it could have, but yeah, we had to find the game.
1: But we enjoy, it's it's interesting how we in New England, and I think this is unique to in New England, you know, maybe in the Northeast, I guess, but I think New England, we're so addicted to rooting for adversity. Yes. We love rooting against people.
0: And so, yes, this was to my point of my yeah. interview this morning, is we love rooting against adversity. And what is your answer to that?
1: I don't Why? know. Because, because I think, again, if you're of a certain age, now my son has known championships around here right? coming out the wazoo. Right. Before my son was born in 1999, there was nothing. Nope. No, we just showed up all the time and we got nothing for it. Right. And so we wanted to transfer that feeling to other people. Right. Want you to experience the the heartbreak that we've experienced right. over the years. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and I think that that's, I think that the, the, the underdog, you know, we've, we've been identified as the underdog. And even when we say sometimes, oh, we've been the underdog, people get mad yep. because they forget that we came from that. Yep. That we would, we show up and we'd bring our game, but we wouldn't win. And now when we have all these wins and across the board, you know, Bruins, Celtics, Sox and Patriots, it's like, what happened? And so it's that, I think that adversity of being the underdog also drives us because it's so exciting to feel that.
1: Yeah. It's like with the Chiefs, a lot of times my response is dynasties aren't easy because Chiefs fans are calling for a dynasty and they've had a good run. They've had four straight AFC championship games. They've been terrific. Right. But that's not a dynasty yet. By the way, you only won one. (laughs) And
0: it's interesting, though, because you're doing the phenomenon right there. It's like you've got all this pot, like four, four games in a row. Right. And yeah. then it's like, yeah, but they only ran, they only won one.
1: But you don't get you don't get the dynasty thing after that. No. You know, I spent 30 years of my life, 40 years of my life, waiting to get to this point, and then you know, saw what we saw with Brady and the Patriots.
0: Right. Well, yeah. and I think, and so that's where the comparative points are: is that they're both great things. Yeah. So if you take them on their own, they're like a superstar. But then when you start, it's the comparison point, and then you say, well, for AFC championships. Versus seven Super Bowls. Yep. Well, not quite the same thing. Well, again, but we in did the context a, of who they are as teams and who they are with the people, like it's like, yay, it's great. Yep. But the comparison point, which goes to the Brady Mahomes comparison yep. point, it's yep. AFC four, seven Super Bowls. And
1: I want them to enjoy, you know, enjoy it. You when your team's doing well, it's great. It's fun. I you know been there, done that. Right. But after four, let's not use. Let's not stop comparing. You know. <laughs>
0: see like, you're you're like my perfect again advocate. the patriots I'm made call, 11 I'm call straight back today yeah. and i'm gonna be like you gotta listen to the podcast today because we-
1: <laughs> again the patriots i think it was 11 straight afc championships from sure. 11 yeah
0: i think yeah i think
1: so, i don't know yeah, something like that. yeah but I, it's a number that makes the four look okay well that's nice right
0: yeah but the the thing so in psychology world is that the four and the 11 really aren't Cause they, they can't be compared yet. They are compared, but they still stand for themselves as like 11, one is one. So if you win, yes. You know, so it's, you know, it's like getting hundreds on test. You yep. got a hundred on a test and so did your neighbor. They all got hundreds, but you might've gotten 10 of them and they only got two, but they still got a hundred. So they feel good about themselves.
1: Yep. So, and you can feel, you should feel good about it.
0: right You're like, yeah, you should, yep. but still not the same.
1: <laughs> Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl early too. I know. And then what happened?
0: Right. I know. Yeah. We could talk about this all day. I know. I know. I, know. See, I it, knew that you'd love this topic. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be good." Lou and I are gonna talk about. It's this. always been
1: one of my favorite questions. The old "Would you rather see the Red Sox win or the Yankees lose?" and it's right. like most New Englanders will tell you Yankees lose. Yes. You know, again, right. because the Yankees, by the way, were are the Patriots of Major League Baseball. Yes. And then we start to diminish that because you know they, they bought their championships and things like that. But the fact of the matter is it's going to be a long time before any team can compare themselves to the Yankees right in the, over the full scope. Right. Yeah. But by the same token, a lot of that's ancient history too.
0: Right. And I think that that, and I think a lot of that, for whatever reason has lost its luster. I mean, you just don't hear about it in the same way. I don't think, no, I don't hear about it from the fans the same way. It's not, it's kind of like dropped off and, and maybe the pandemic made that, I saw that shift happen over the past. Yeah. Two and a half years.
1: But you hear about it from Yankees fans. How many times from Yankee fans? 27 championships. Yeah. You hear that all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's kind of the response we have about the Patriots. Right. You know, right. talk, talk to me five Super Bowls in. Right. You know, right. Yeah. And well, that's the whole thing yeah.
0: is like, oh, pff, just don't talk to me about it. Like, yeah. it's don't, don't, don't even compare. Don't even mention it. It's yeah. not even worthwhile yeah. talking what, what about What you're it. doing is cute. Me. Yeah. <laughs> don't insult me with that. Yeah. It's just so relevant. Right. Yep. So. Well, but do
1: we do that in life? Do we.
0: Yeah, we do it all the time. That's, I mean, that's why it's such an interesting, you know, psychological phenomenon because we we reject out things that threaten our 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 little control of what we know.
1: Yeah, but it's a little different. It's a little bit different. Like if you have friends or family that suffer adversity, you're not you're not really rooting for it, are you?
0: No. Well.
1: Or you don't go yay, you know?
0: No. Well. See, in my head, I'm going, well, yeah. we, hey, so your daughter's got
1: a drug problem. Yay.
0: Outwardly, people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. For the most part. I mean, certainly. Yeah. They. But when people have that, sometimes people have in their head bubble. I mean, I know this because people talk about it in my office, right? About like, you know, they'll, they'll preface it with, you know, I'm going to hell <laughs> before I say it, you know, <laughs> yeah. because they're thinking it yeah. because, like, well, you know, like karma or that, you know, people have those pieces of them where it's like, well, you know,
1: people get outwardly frustrated yes. with other people's success.
0: Yes. It,
1: you, you, they will give you that. Sure. I don't know if they root for adversity, but they get frustrated when people have, you know, are showing a lot of success. And of course that's through social media, well, which is a filter. And, well, And, that's, and so yeah. that's
0: the, that's the differentiation too, between the, the, the envy. It's like, I want you to have success, but there's envy. So you see this a lot of, so you said, does it happen in real life? In parents a lot, mm-hmm. you see that, Parents want you, so you would think that parents want the best for their children, and they want to have better than they had it themselves. That would be right path, right? Yep. But so many times, and you, I mean, there's tons of books written about this in in psychology about parenting and families and relationships. Is that parents will actively sabotage that because of their own stuff and be, you know, like envious of the success of their children and then sabotage that
1: with their own kids? Yes. Really.
0: Yes. See, well, I put too and much. I see these, remember, I'm self-selected in these because I see these things because that's what people come to help fix. So or they come in with yeah. something and then that ends up being part of the root is that, you know, that they're, you know, why would any parent not want the best for their kids? But then you find out that, in fact, that there's some sabotaging that doesn't always be. It's not always actively um, conscious, but it's there because although I want you to get ahead. Good example. I had a student many years ago that was their first first time out of the whole family of people that were going to college Hmm. and the family wanted him to go to college. The family was actively like, yeah, you're going to college. But the mother and one of the brothers of this very large family was sabotaging his ability to get to the school every day with, oh, what do you think? You're better than all of us going to college. So it was Uh, and you need to help us. You need to take this other brother, big family, right? So you have to take this other sibling to school. You have to do this. Oh, you're abandoning ship because you think you're better. Yeah. So the message was, yay, you're bettering yourself and we're so proud of you. But yeah. we really don't want that. And so that's that's that piece of actively, actively mm-hmm. without conscience.
1: Do you think this is... Uh, is it societal? And In other words, what I was thinking while you're saying that is one of the things I've learned in my adult life is that I've overestimated paternal and maternal instinct. I mean, you just think that you become a parent and you just want what's best for your kid you know, right. to sum it up. But not everybody does. And you True. just see more and more examples of it.
0: Well, that's that was to my point.
1: So, yes. But is that instinct was that instinct there? decades ago and society has moved it away? Or is that instinct just as not as strong as I thought it was?
0: Well, that's a good question. So I think there's multiple pieces. Because
1: instinct suggests it's genetic and it just happens. Well, I don't think it's
0: new. I mean, I don't think that this is just something that's just changed because of, I think that we've always had a level of instinct some people have more than others
1: because as a society generation generationally of the last two or three generations haven't we i think we've lost our selflessness in large part and i wonder if that contributes to it because parenting is a very selfless thing if right. when done right
0: right and i well i would agree that the um trend for many parents has gone in that direction. The sure. People in general. Right, in general, yeah. yes. And so therefore, and that's what I think contributes, one of the factors that contributes to the sense of entitlement that's current in a lot of kids now, um, the sense of, uh, um, you know, lack, lack of work ethic, lack of yep. needing to, you know, why would I do that when I could do this? Yep. Or I don't need to make money because I'm going to do this other thing that makes me happy. <laughs> right so i think that all contributes to that for sure there's so many pieces of that it's very complicated i think it's a
1: result of that i think it's a result of entitlement and entitlement upbringing i think we i think we started raising kids that were very self-centric
0: yeah well and now they've
1: become parents and yes yeah
0: well and so but that's so back it up a generation before and you're and are you saying that it that the parents before that were like that as well and it's just trickling down and it's getting like more ingrained.
1: Yeah, I think it's getting more and more ingrained. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: so I think it's getting more ingrained too, but are you saying but are you saying it's coming from way back, da- way like way back? Or are you just saying it's more recent that like just the
1: I think generations... my parents' generation was very not necessarily selfless, but they sacrificed more. They um and they spent a lot of time with my generation Wanting them to do better and things like that. Focusing on them. Right. In other words, I think with my generation, probably a little bit in the early part of it. But certainly starting from there, more and more focus was on the kids for a while. And then the kids kids grew up self-centric and a little entitled. Right. And then they couldn't put the same focus on their kids. Once they became parents, they were more self-centered in terms of parenting even. And right. It, it well,
0: didn't... and I so yes. So yeah. I would agree with that, and also that the... it's general
1: terms, and it's yes, not right in every situation. But, but the yeah. right
0: because it's a generalized thing. Yeah. But I think that you see a lot, not all, but you see a lot now of the pattern of apathy.
1: Of mm-hmm.
0: it's easier to just go with the flow, even if it's a bad flow, and the kids getting away with whatever they're getting away with, than having to deal with it or or want to correct it because right. the fight is harder than the than the other so it's you know and i'm constantly correcting that in parents for their kids because i'm like well, you can't you can't expect different if you're not willing to do different yeah and, the
1: priority is path of least resistance right. as opposed to like for example with my kids if i saw them heading in the wrong direction i couldn't live with that it's right. like i have to correct you no right. matter what you know no matter how, what well, hard it I is for me. for me i see
0: something askew yeah. i'm like eh yeah Let's, you know bring it back right you
1: know i owe you it's my responsibility to to rein that in
0: right well and that's and it's concerning when i see like you know teenagers and young college students right now that are in that pattern of you can see that they're going to further our our discussion on yeah. when they become parents yep. the next set of kids coming up is is kind of scary because the level of self responsibility and accountability and level of being able to go out and um, nurture the community essentially in a good healthy yeah. way is not gonna be there.
1: Or the ability to delay gratification, to, to the ability to invest effort for future outcomes.
0: And I and I think this is one of the hardest times I've seen in terms of delaying gratification. And it, oh, it's, I, I'm having all these examples fly through my head of how, impulsive and i need it i want it and i can have it hence my comment about my pony
1: yep <laughs> last week yep
0: <laughs> right so i you know and i shouldn't I have I to work I mean, for it yeah for you know and, yeah. and why bother and if i don't get it then i'm angry yep. and i'm gonna act out on that and and it i'm gonna lose my mind because i'm i'm entitled to have it well but that's not you know i want a million dollars too but i don't necessarily <laughs> to get that you know i have to work for that um but that that delayed gratification piece is in so much of our life uh, around mental health issues right anxiety addiction or
1: developing a priority ladder among those uh, those wants and needs in other words i want to go on a trip so i shouldn't buy you know i shouldn't go out and you know buy a bunch of snacks just spend money wantonly the ability to to say no i'm not going to spend on that because i'm working towards this bigger thing
0: And I think that that's, and that's um, the distinction is between the want and the need. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We want things, but that's not what we actually, we don't need the things that we want. Right. We just want them. And that drives so many people. The wants outweigh the needs. I don't need to have a pony. Right. I want a pony, but I don't need to have a pony. I, you know, I need, what do we need? We need food, clothing. Roof overhead, safety, belonging, mm-hmm. essentially, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. All the other things that we want. We want things, but if we really want them, we have to work for them. But this goes to the point of the entitled culture that, we, that we're seeing is like, well, yeah, but I want it. And if I don't get it, then I'm going to lose my mind. It's going to make me really anxious and it's going to make me upset. And, you know, like kids that have the social anxiety to go to school, one of the worst things that you can do initially when the little kids don't want to do that is say you don't have to.
1: Right. Right. no,
0: I don't want to, okay, reinforce that pattern at a simple, basic level of development of, I don't want to do it. You don't have to.
1: So all that's doing quitting,
0: we're in the middle of something. Yeah. And I don't like it anymore because whatever reason it's like, okay, then quit. Ah, There's no quitting.
1: So you're setting up a pattern that every time somebody doesn't want to do something, they're not going to. And unfortunately in life, you have to do stuff that you don't want to do. Right. You also have to persevere to get what you want. Right. In many situations, you have right. to go through sometimes and the ability not nah, just that's too much work. Is, well, and, I
0: th- and I think that the, that's the a mo- bad life pattern. Well I, th- well, I think that the motto, too, of like you can do hard things is lost on much of this current generation psychologically is you you see a lot of people now ramping back up to the motto that's out there, site you know, in sports psych of you can do hard things. We can do hard things. Because that's too hard. So you've got a lot of that apathy in in youth mental health. Of that's too hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. Like what?
1: Because you're requir- you're requiring <laughs> you're effort. Mean
0: you don't want to do what?
1: You're requiring effort and sacrifice and perseverance.
0: Right. And I think that part of the reason why the development of of these issues is because parents don't require and then follow through on yeah. what's needed to be accounted for and responsibility for because they throw up their hands and like it's too much effort and the fight back is too much so then now they've got a 25 year old who is still living at home working but you know or whatever it is it's it's a pattern that goes back to kind of the old days where people would come back from college live at home or whatever stay at home and go to college but there's a difference now it's no job now it's yeah living still off mom and dad and living in that, then that's not healthy mentally. Yes, some cultures, you know, I mean, certainly some of the cultures say, you know, come back to home and stay home and take care of your elders and things like that. Those are different pieces. Those are cultural and they're all factored in, but by and large, in a generalized way, the mental health of someone getting codependently wrapped back in because one doesn't have the skills because they were never fostered and required yeah. to do them or they were like we don't have to deal with that right now or you don't have to learn how to do that or you don't have to follow through that's giving that sense of why why bother why you mu- or why bother going out it's much easier to that?
1: develop those skills with a homework assignment in the fifth grade right than it is with a job at 25 years old right which is why that time lost is so important, right? Because it's just those are the you, you ramp up to that type of right. skill set. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and I, and, you know, obviously, a a, a fifth grader has no idea what's going to be at 25 years old. But that's what the parenting and the, the good modeling is supposed to be there for so that you show that and if you have the models going, I don't know, I don't care, just I can't deal with it. The The child that you're that doesn't know at fifth grade who would know by the time they got to being 25 doesn't ever have that opportunity to get the shaping because right. the parents are supposed or the primary caregiver is supposed to be giving that modeling so that they know ahead of time like you won't understand this until you get to that age but i'm going to get it there for you by giving you structure giving you boundaries giving you limits making sure i require you to follow through yep but by and large, I'm. I watch this shift happening of like, no, that's not happening. Yeah,
1: and the consequences get much, get exponentially higher as you get older. And you get, if you're 25 years old and you don't have these skills, the consequences are extremely difficult. Right. Yeah. Right. As opposed to missing a homework assignment and having to do extra work, I mean, it's, it's a consequence, but it's a small, handleable, handleable consequence as opposed well, to. Well, it's
0: interesting because being
1: consequences... 25 and not being able to get a job.
0: The tw- so, yeah. so what I've seen here and this in, and I'm sure you have too, is that you get, we'll use our 25 year olds examples. The 25 year old doesn't have the skill, but they also don't have the skill because someone has jumped in and saved them every time. Yep. And that doesn't help either. And that starts at youth. Like, yep. you know, you know, just give the, the issue of quitting, like that's a jump in and save a kid from having to deal with the reality of failure or success. Oh, you're not doing well. You don't like it anymore. Well, then you quit instead of, you know, so we'll just jump in. We'll speak for you. We'll tell the teacher, we'll tell the coach, we'll tell whoever that, you know, instead of, I always say to the kids that I'm doing or parents, you have to go back to the coach yourself. You're going to have to say to the coach, I'm not doing this anymore. Thank you for the opportunity. Like, and they look at me like, I'm not doing that. Yep. Like, but that's what you do. It's one courtesy. It makes you a better human being. It's integrity, all these pieces. And sometimes I get great response from parents most of the time with that. But sometimes I get parents that look at me like, why would you do that? Because they were I'm like, because that's what healthy minds do. You, you, you give the courtesy out and reciprocity of this coach or this teacher or whoever's giving you their time you don't just up and quit and say, thanks, but no thanks, but without anything, you have to give that. Yep. And I think that that's a lot of that's lost. And that's really good. So why do I talk about that? It's building resiliency in a, in a mental health way in somebody to be able to be self advocating, build self esteem, build respect within oneself to others. I mean, there's so many pieces of yep. that that I think are lost. And to your point at the beginning of like saying that, like, it's a generation of entitlement and selfishness and not selflessness. That's a big piece of that because it's, it, you're not building up a self-esteem ego. The reality, the reality manager there is really, I don't need to do that. I don't need to take care of someone else. I don't need to be courteous. I don't need to be kind in that way because that doesn't register for me.
1: Well, I think, I think one of the most important jobs, if not job one of parenting is linking action to consequence, right? It is. And when you remove consequence from action by protecting them, by allowing them, allowing them to quit, not follow through, you know, that type of thing. when you detach consequence from actions, it's very difficult for someone. I mean, it, it just it just disrupts your whole ability to function in a society because every action has a consequence.
0: And and I think timing. Yes. Action and action has a Poor actions or unhealthy actions have consequences. Well, both
1: ways, positive and and negative. Yeah.
0: And when you're trying to, it's like, it's like a cat. If you timing, if you do not in dog, right. If you do not correct the action with a consequence in the moment and you try to come back to it. Yep. And if you come back to it and you correct it by giving a consequence and then not following through, these are patterns I see all the time. Yep. And the what are you doing you're doing a disservice to your parenting but you're also doing a disservice to your kids well-being because they have learned how to bypass you yep and that you'll never follow through you'll get away with it and then they learn another compensating strategy which sets them up down the road for abusive relationships it sets them up for addiction it sets them up for all these things because they're going to run into because because it's easier in the moment to go forget it we just don't want to deal and here's your phone or here's your,
1: as they get older, they run into more nasty consequences right. and having the skill set to deal with them or, or avoid them ideally. Right. And I think one of the subtle parts of this is you never punish a child. Whatever right. happens to them is always a consequence, right. not a punishment. punishment. Right. 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 You, Absolutely. You Put it on them, you know? Right.
0: And and that's, and I think that the, at least in psychology, um, I think both socially it's trended out this way. And obviously those are the words in the narrative I create is always it's consequence. It's not that you're a bad person. You know, I grew up with it's bad or good, you know, it's not, it's punishment versus consequence. Consequence is here's what's a reaction to what you did or didn't do.
1: Well, you touch a hot stove. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's an action with a consequence. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so, and, so many parents feel bad and that's the generational thing. So many parents feel bad about doing a consequence because they don't want to lose their friendship with their child or they don't want to lose like whatever it is that they That's
1: a big, that's a big thing. Needing a friendship with the child.
0: Right. Be a parent. It's that enmeshment. It's the connection that's over connected. It's the codependency. It's the, I need my child to love me. So I can't say no, I need my child to just, do anything and everything that I want, but they really don't. But if I say yes to everything, then they'll be more my friend and they'll love me more. I mean, it's yeah. and it's very common.
1: But the dirty little secret is, kids love structure. Yeah, they respond to leadership, right? And it'll create a better friendship right. when the child is adult. Right, they create a much better relationship.
0: Right, and and so it's funny because I have some parents that I'm helping with their their toddlers do sleep routines, their <laughs> young ones do sleep routines, and the patterns in these parents are. The child goes to bed, they scream. So, what do they do? The child gets out of bed. They do this all night long of just like letting them be up. They get in bed with them. Like, it's not healthy. So, I give them a very specific structure of, you know.
1: Are you a Ferber person? uh,
0: um, Depends. (laughs) Yeah. Just depends. But, you know, on the kid and what's going on. But usually it's, you know, you put the kid to bed, you do your thing. And if they keep getting out of bed after the first time, there's no more words essentially i'm giving a shortcut to this but no more words you put the child back to bed and you could do that all night for two or three nights in a row and eventually the structure will break that it will end in your favor as the parent that this is the boundary we're doing we're not going to yep. engage because when you start engaging with words and you start to now the child's found out how to play and get you to run after them and do all these things so in short right there at that very beginning stages of life if you're structuring that in and you take the time to do that you, you have a win parentally and you have a win for the child. But the problem is, is you get parents who yep. will say, it's just easier for me to let them come into bed at six at four o'clock in the morning because I don't want to deal. Yeah. Well, that right there is a pattern that sets up a kid for all those other things that are coming. The problems at 15 don't start at 15. They started at two. Right, days. exactly. And people don't realize that because every time you throw your hands up and say, I just don't want to deal, then you have a 15-year-old going running you over. Yep. Because you didn't set it in motion and you're still doing the same pattern of like, I didn't want to deal with putting the kid back to bed for two nights in a row to break the pattern because it was too much effort because it was too hard to hear them scream.
1: Yep. Too many people value parent-child negotiation. Right. And you can do that to an extent, but you've got to, there's a point where you throw the trump card and don't be afraid to do it.
0: Well, and it's in the parent-child negotiation, the way I always describe it to people is that you always give kids two choices because choice is important, but they end in your favor. Yes. So two choices. And and they're usually op you know, it's not just because they end in your favor because I said so. It's they're options that are valuable. Like you can do this for five minutes and then do that, or you cannot do it and you're still gonna do the other. Like so they pick so I they know they're getting a choice because kids need to have the freedom to choose. But it has to be a negotiated choice that's actually going to end in your favor, especially when they're younger, because you're helping them structure. Yeah. But parents don't do that.
1: Oh, there are a couple of things with my kids I remember and it was it seems like a negotiation, but it's not. It's like you can no TV or video games before the homework's done. Right. You can wait till eight o'clock to do your homework if you want. That's fine. But no TV or video games until right. then. Right. Or the big thing with them was bedtime, especially as they get a little older. It's like, well, you're going to school in the morning. Right. So that's up to you. Go to bed when you want, but you're getting up in the morning, and going to school. Right. Exactly. We're, not, we're not taking the "I'm too tired to go right. to school" thing.
0: Well, and what I see, and so to that point, I see several clients and and stuff that have the you, you that you can go to bed, with, you know, whatever time you want, and you're still going to school. But then in the morning, they don't.
1: Yeah. No, you can't do that. And that's
0: and then no. it's like, you know, oh, you I have, have to follow through. Feel good.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah.
0: I well that's unfortunate. Yeah. The problem is. In the, during this last year for covid is anytime the kid goes into school and really want to stay home they go and say they don't feel good they get sent home yeah yep so it's a it's a multiplied problem because now yeah. you've got the school reinforcing the bad pattern as well because they have to because but you, you don't give to. them
1: a pleasant time at home either there's a consequence for that
0: if if you're a parent sets a consequence
1: yeah one of my favorite examples of this is that we see this all the time in stores where the parent goes to the child, If you don't quiet down, we're going to leave. Right. And it never happens. Right. And my thing to that well, I is I see
0: it happen more and more, though, now.
1: Yeah. But, but it, yes. But my response to that is don't even give the option. Right. You just pick them up and leave a couple of right. times. Right. And when you get in the car, it's like, No, you lost it. You, right. I couldn't do that anymore because you lost it. Right. You know, again, not a punishment. You didn't punish them by taking it out of the store. It was a consequence of their action.
0: Well, it's an interesting thing too, because yes, you're mm-hmm. accurate on that. And I have parents that will tell me, I'll say, you know, if they say, I'm going to take you out of the store. And then I say, did you? And they say, no. Yeah. I'm like, well, now they're, they're going to learn to bypass you because they don't take you seriously. Right. But then also when I ask, why didn't you? They're like, well, then I was missing out because I didn't get to do what I needed to do. So I sacrifice. It's like, well you but you didn't all you had to do that was once so you sacrificed that you didn't get to go grocery shopping that one time or whatever you were doing because next time they won't do it because they won't want to leave the store
1: but you're setting up a lifetime of consequence by not following through
0: right right
1: destroying all credibility yes and the key to that a lot of times because i remember when i was a young parent when my daughter was young and i instituted this uh you no know, punishment, but I instituted a, a thing as a result of a consequence and I went too far and I didn't want to enforce it. Right. I did. I made myself do it, but I I learned a lesson. It's like make sure you can follow through on whatever it is you threaten.
0: Right. Right. Well, and that's why I, I laugh sometimes when parents come in and say, This is what happened with, you know, Sally, and and they're grounded for a month. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. you know, I have that eye in twitch of like, really? What does that look like? You know? Yeah. And and then, you know, in private, you know, without the kid there, I'm like, how are you going to follow through on that? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because your your anger and your reaction and your emotion got in the way. And now how are you going to do that? Because you said a month and that's going to be a lot and painful. And now you'll have to do it. And parents always, almost always back it down. And then sometimes I'll help word the narrative of like, you know, it was, it didn't meet the, I always say, it didn't meet the crime So therefore, you're going to have a different consequence because it was too much for this one and this would be for that one. So I help them a little bit because it backs them out, but then they can follow through on it. But, you know, I always say that do not give a consequence that you cannot follow, that you won't be willing. You can follow through on it. Everyone has the capability. But are you willing? Right. If you're going to take a phone away or you're going to take something else, away, are you going to be willing to take that away for the amount of time that you said you're going to take it?
1: And, and many people are like, because not through. the
0: kid's like, when am I getting my phone back? When am I getting my phone yeah. back? When am and then the parent will say, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to, you're going to, I'm going to keep it for longer time. And I'm looking at them going,
1: mm-hmm. yep.
0: how are you going to do that? Cause they're going to keep pinging you because that sense of entitlement comes up and yep. then they're going to do that. And the finally parent going back to the crib, putting the kid back in, throw their hands up, forget it. You're bugging me. Here's your phone. Yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah. so here no. we go. Yeah. And the pattern's out the door. Yeah. Right? <sighs> anyway,
1: but that's see that's lack of selflessness because you have to sacrifice something to do the follow through,
0: right? And pe- a lot of time store. parents don't like. I don't want to take the kid out yeah. after I told them I'm going to take it out because it will yeah. take away my time from going to groceries. Because store.
1: then I don't get my groceries, right? It's like well, okay, but right. yeah, right. but you only have to do that a couple times, right? You know, that's the thing. And that's what I'm. That's yeah. what I
0: say is this only takes a couple times and it will stop, but it that's not what happens. Yeah. so well anyway Lou, we're we're coming to the end of the hundredth show i don't know exactly how we got on to that piece yeah talk that to was... me in
1: 200 shows. <laughs> just kidding <You're>
0: funny. <laughs> i don't know how we got on to that piece because we started at football and now we're at parenting but hey it's kind of like parenting i guess but um, it was about was not a... what i had planned for today yeah. but
1: we started talking about why we like adversity why oh, why we right. root for adversity and other I people lost
0: in that yeah. so thank you for yeah. Being the,
1: and then you brought up the example is sometimes parents do it with their own kids. Right. And so I got into discussion of maternal See, instinct, everything we I thought it is. Like, yeah. Where
0: did we make that yeah. transition? Because I was in a totally different space. But thank <laughs> you. That's why you're a good producer. Yeah. So here's to our 100th show. Here's to our 100th And show. I'm drinking my coffee that my, my lovely yeah. Heather will say, I hear you drinking coffee. Here's to another 100. Mm. Here's to another 100. Um So next yeah. week. Kate
1: asked if the coffee is uh, good. Who did? Kate.
0: Kate, yes, the coffee's is very good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will see everyone next week and have a wonderful snowstorm weekend here because we're, we're all about to get dropped on this weekend. I'm about a foot of snow. Why do you Are we? Me like I'm crazy? No, I'm
1: no, I know the snowstorm is coming, but I hadn't looked into the details. Okay.
0: Well, just foot? hunker down and yeah. up at your house on the beach. Yeah. Because no you problem. probably won't get as much because you're... Right no, there.
1: we generally don't get as much. Right. No.
0: But the rest of the world around you. And
1: then you know. I drive into town and I go, Wow, you, you guys got slammed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're supposed to get a foot. Wow. So not fun. No, but that's okay. Cause what would my birthday? My birthday always gets snow. So really? Yeah. It's always a snow. Remember a few years ago, I think it was 2015. Oh. January 27th, which is my birthday, it was a Saturday. And for five Saturdays in a row yep. or six Saturdays in a row, we got like half a foot we were up to eight like eight foot and it's because of the plowing but we were up to like eight foot ceilings essentially on the carriage road on the boston marathon route when we were training yeah because there was so much snow every saturday
1: 2015 was and there was no significant snow up until january 27th yes at that point and then it snowed every other day it was
0: game on yep. yep
1: and that's been the pattern for several years yeah I, you know i don't know but we won't get into global warming and all this stuff but i know the pattern has shifted till this winter period doesn't start until january right anymore we get occasional snow but then what happens this is what we have to avoid that this storm becomes an every other day pattern
0: right and this is often what happens we'll get it and then we'll get hit again two days later and then we'll get hit yeah right so but to our to our benefit we're usually done by march <laughs> everywhere just gets wicked cold we have a there thing around wicked. here
1: the studios are in Methuen, and there's the loop up there which used to be in the Methuen mall yes and in the back of it along 213 they'd plow all the snow yes on there yeah. and we used to have pools on what day the last piece of snow would snow be would there melt. yeah yep. and they got into july at one year they got into july
0: wow yep. that's well yeah because they just have i mean they those just piles this huge amount huge. of snow. Yeah. those parking lot piles oh, oh.
1: so let's hope this is a one-off storm and not dropping us into a pattern
0: there you go all right so Again, thank you guys for making my 100 shows great, and here's 200 <laughs> more, and it's going to be a great year, and next week we will have a different topic and get back on track with our micro goals and yes. our water and our planking and our push-ups, and I'll check in with everyone on that, and um, so today was kind of a, an off off the beat because I had the Boston the Globe, globe interview, interview this morning, yeah. so go listen to all my other podcasts if you're interested in things um, meaning to have better, healthy lifestyle. When and- can
1: we look for the Globe piece? What? When can we look for the globe piece? Um,
0: I I think it will either go in late today or tomorrow. All right. But if if I know specifically soon when she finishes it, I will I will send it to you and you can link it up.
1: We'll post it up on the page. Sure.
0: Yes. All right. So everyone have a great week, and I'll see you next week.